Welcome to Kilts and Culture with USA Kilts. We're here to talk about all things Highland dress, the cultures and the heritage that created it, and how to enjoy the kilt in the 21st century. From tartan and trues to haggis and history, we cover it all. So sit back, grab your beverage of choice, and enjoy the show. Hello, boys and girls. Welcome to Kilts and Culture. I'm Rocky. This is Eric. Yo. Today, special treat. Fanash. Our friend uh, KT. I have some notes here. Our friend KT is a, Kevin Thompson, is a serial kilter. He is the guy who started the, uh, the website Brotherhood of the Kilt, which was a, an internet forum and then uh, it kind of transferred over to Facebook as a Facebook group. Um, in 2018, he left his job as a business developer and marketer and kind of struck out on his own and started his, uh, one of his passion projects, which is chocolate and specifically scotch and whiskey infused chocolate. Um, yes, yeah, sounds delicious. Mm-hmm. Um, so we started developing that and uh, started the company Shenana Candies and the, the, the product which was what he calls Fanash. What is Fanash, you say? Why why Fanash? That is a great question. Fanash, which I didn't know, um, he made up. Uh, Basically, it's fudge and ganache. It is, using his own words, um, what exactly is Fanash? It is my creation. Well, not mine, KT's. uh, Somewhere between fudge and a ganache, smooth, creamy, decadent, and delightful. Flavored with your favorite wines, whiskeys, and liqueurs. Fanash is what Fanash is what you need to satisfy that craving for a better piece of chocolate. So So we have to have wine and whiskey and we have to three different alcohols to go with this chocolate, apparently. I got scotch. Okay, so the ones that we are trying today are three of his creations. And we have Adam and Coraline in the studio. Um, they're going to be trying these along with us as well. As neither of them really drink, they will not be imbibing as Eric and I will. That being said, we are trying Irish whiskey finash, Scotch whiskey finash, and cinnamon whiskey finash. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And to try the finash, we need a, a pairing appropriate for the finash. So we are going to drink the Dalmore which is a very delicious scotch and has a little bit of a chocolate hint to it, so I thought it would pair well with the uh, with KT stuff. And to ingest the scotch, the highly sought-after, off-coveted USA Kilts Glencairn glasses. Ta-da! <clears throat> How long has uh, KT been doing this again? 2018, he started 18, doing so this. New company. Correct. Reasonably new, yep. Yeah. Um, I think he said he sold like over. Is that enough for you? That's fine. Okay. Thank you. Um, he sold over thirty thousand pieces of it, um, which is a pretty healthy chunk yeah, for uh, uh, two thousand eighteen. Yeah, good start. Um, a little bit more. And there we go. Um, the. I was trying to think else, what else there was to say about it. I think he said that the this thing, the five pack, retails for like seven ninety nine. I believe he said what the number was. Um, so. 
reasonable price for a gourmet type treat chocolate, not like a bag of M&Ms you're going to sit there popping. Yeah, he does some that are packaged for special events too, I believe. So like if you have a... Yeah, with corporate a, branding and that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, yeah. so you can no, do something like that. He's, I can tell the, the, the business background that he comes from, the marketing background that he comes from based on the the things that he's trying to do with it. And mm-hmm. I think it's smart. Also, so yeah, what a lot of people don't know about KT is that he's Rastafarian. So. <laughs> or... Or Italian, isn't that Italian flag? No. Red? Is it? Oh, wait, yeah, yeah how's it go? It's a... Uh... Green, red, and gold? Or green, red, and white? I don't know. Yeah, Something. white, 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 uh, not gold. He's, he loves Sorry. Christmas, too. There we go. <laughs> and I'm dropping my stuff. Ugh. All right, what should we try first? Any votes? I feel like we should do a whiskey and then the cinnamon in the middle. I think the cinnamon the at whiskey. the end, because I think that's going to have it's the strongest overpower. flavor and overpower. Um, okay. So let's try the Irish first, the green one. Okay. All right. And these are pretty healthy sized chunks, so I don't think we're going to eat the whole thing. It'll be hopped up on coffee and scotch and chocolate. It's going to be a high energy show. <laughs> so, so guys, let's talk kill. Give me another question. Give me another question. Okay. I'm smelling it. it smells like, like chocolate. chocolate. Yep. Oddly enough. Oh, yeah, like a whiskey go there. Okay. The texture is really nice. Yeah, very, very smooth. I think I think the fudge and very ganache mix is nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's not as cloying as I find fudge to be. I usually find fudge to be just a little bit too. It's not like the granulated sugary kind of fudgeness. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's creamy. Adam, Coraline, thoughts slash rankings, or not rankings, excuse me, uh, score, 1 to 10, decimals are highly encouraged. Mm-hmm. Get in there, thought-provoking. How's it make you feel? And if you don't mind, somebody jot this down, because I won't remember all our numbers. All these. I really like this. Okay. It, I do feel like I can feel the sugar, but in a good way. Mm-hmm. I don't taste any of the alcohol. I have a superpower where I can always taste the alcohol in everything, even when people say, oh, you can't even taste the alcohol. I do not taste the alcohol in this. I am going to eat the whole thing now. <laughs> I was going to say it is subtle. I think yeah. The, the whiskey flavor is very subtle. Yeah. Hmm. Um, now that your mouth is full, please. Okay. Show us your black teeth as you like uh, chew that. 8.1. 8.1. Okay. Good score. Good mm-hmm. score. That's strong. Anything over 8 in general, means that you would like physically get in your car and drive somewhere to go get it. Oh, okay. That's my that's my okay. breaking okay. point. Five okay. is like the average. Like it's fine. It's average. Below that, you don't like it. Um, above eight, it's you would make a special trip for it. Adam. So now, now I have some criteria in mind. I like it. It's it's a good fudge. I can taste. I think again, not being a drinker, I don't <clears throat> know the. I don't know drinky tastes, so okay. to speak, but I think I can taste the kind of the the Irish liquor in there. I, I just it's not powerful, Whiskey, not like yeah. super mm-hmm. powerful, but there's a there's a subtle little hint, and and as has been mentioned, it's very it's a very good fudge, a very smooth fudge. Come. I am not going to drink. I, I don't know whiskey. if I would drive anywhere for it, but that's because I generally like fudge, but don't go out for it because. I don't know. You know, like on Friday night, you're like, honey, 
Let's go get fudge. I think I just need mm. to think about fudge more often, and so I will have to give it a 7.9 so that I don't have to drive. Fair. But I like it very much. And I want to keep these moving reasonably quickly because we're trying to keep the yeah, yeah, we're yeah. trying to keep the try segment a little bit shorter so we can get more questions in. Eric, thoughts on the Irish? Um, Thirty second synopsis. Essentially, what they said it was very nice. Um, I'd give it a six because um, I really couldn't taste the whiskey very much. Okay, it was, I, I, there was a little bit of a touch there, but it was not as intense a uh, Irish whiskey flavor <clears throat> as I was expecting. It's interesting that. Not tasting the the alcohol is a negative for you and a positive for well, me. Well, I said whiskey flavor, not alcohol. Oh, oh, I see, I see. I think you're dealing with the the clinical alcohol alcohol <clears throat> yeah. aspect where I'm thinking about the the overtones, the esters that come from making yeah. the beverage. If I was if I would this one specifically is good. I like it. I don't like a ton of alcohol in food kind of thing. Um, if I was buying it for the fact that it was Irish whiskey infused fudge. I might be a little bit disappointed, but it is very, very good fudge. Um, I got a little bit of the the back of the like back roof of the mouth taste after I've swallowed it and let it kind of sit for a minute. Hmm. But I was surprised there wasn't more of a punch to it. I'm gonna say seven point three because it's a good fudge. Okay. All right, next scotch. Let's do scotch. Gold packet. Ah, gold. And I will say. The Dalmore paired pretty damn good with it. See, I was worried that the, that was going to ruin my palate for trying this next one. But. I'm trying it. At, I want to develop a, an opinion and then try it to see how it pairs. And then see and how then, alcohol influences your opinion. Yes. Alcohol never influences my opinion on anything. All right. Sancho. Scotch flavor. Yeah. It's different. Mm-hmm. 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 Definitely taste the Scotch flavor more in this. I do. Dare than I, say, I did the Irish in the other. There's a peaty tone to it. There's a woody tone. Yeah. Yeah. Woody smoky tone. Yeah. Not expecting that. Yeah. I, I'd almost say like a, a hint of peatiness. <laughs> I just saw Caroline's face. A hint of peatiness from like a dirt kind of like mm-hmm. in a good way. Tastes like dirt in a good way. Um in the old Highland Manor. All right. Coraline, thoughts? Adam, we're coming to you next. Uh, the fudge is equally good, but I do taste the alcohol more, and I'm not digging it, but um, it's still tried really hard, so I'll give it a six. I don't <laughs> it tried really it's hard. tried really hard. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Adam? I like the flavor of the Irish better. You can definitely taste the... Mm-hmm. I can the taste the things I hear you guys describe with the, the scotch and the whiskey... Mm-hmm. Uh, I can definitely taste that more so, but I like the Irish better. I will give it a 6.5. Okay. And keep in mind, these are two non-drinkers versus two casual drinkers. Yeah. (laughs) Or heavy drinkers. Eric, scotch. I like it better than the Irish. It has more depth to it. I kind of like dark chocolate, so the, the smoky, oaky... PD kind of tone that there's it's 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 hard to it's muddled, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But the um, the earthy it's, it's all together. The earthy acrid flavor that's in there gives it more depth. I think it's a better, more interesting flavor. So I'm going to give this one an eight. Okay. This one I would actually go for again. That's a, that's it feels gourmet to me. I agree. Um, you get this is more what I was expecting. Um, the 
it's not like drinking scotch where you can pick out the individual flavor profiles and they all kind of, in theory, should blend together smoothly. This is just a hint of scotch and a hint of all the notes that are that will, in. And they like will an, pair with the. Yeah. So. Um, with a, a heavy, good, creamy chocolate flavor. Go for broken. So, yeah. Um, I'd, I'd say 8.2. That's a good one. Yeah. I would drive for that. I would, I would, I would gift this to somebody who I knew liked scotch. Mm-hmm. I would, I would go that way. It definitely tastes different if you have a little bit of scotch and then the chocolate. Okay. I'll say that. The 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 whole point of pairing it, KT is absolutely right. I think pairing is the way to go with this stuff. It's very nice. Okay. Cinnamon. Red. If, if my wife were involved, we'd have some strawberries here also. That'd be good. Mm. Still love that more. Mm. Good stuff. And I would also say um, down more... <laughs> I missed my or, chance. Or something that's um, a, a, a more subtle scotch would be a better pairing with this kind of stuff than yeah. something overpowering like an Isla. Yeah. Um, this is one of the rare occasions when I would not suggest Lagavulin. I missed my chance to say push the bright candy-like red shiny button. Uh, yes. I can't believe Brennan I missed my chance to do that. All right. Slanja on the cinnamon. Slangeman? This one's a little firmer. It's almost fruity. It's almost like a cherryish cinnamon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tastes more like a chocolate cordial a yeah. little bit. It's a little bit more dense. Still, still smooth, but a little bit more dense. Hmm. Definitely got the cinnamon. A little bit of heat, li- like a tiny bit. Like if if. Uh, if you're a child of the 90s and you drank Aftershock and Earthquake and all those type of things, it's a little bit of that kind of heat to it, like a cinnamon cinnamon liqueur kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Fireball whiskey. Fireball. I love that stuff, actually. That's a guilty pleasure of mine. It's good. Makes me think of the holidays. Mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. Feels, it feels like a Yuletide flavor. Festive, yeah. yeah. Valentine's Day. I can see this for a Valentine's Day flavor. Oddly enough, that's why we decided to do chocolate yeah, oh, yeah. this month. Oh, yeah. Because Valentine's Day. Yes. Forgot the whole reason. Um, yeah, we're always coming up with new ideas for tries and trying to make them kind of seasonally appropriate. Um, so we figured chocolate Valentine's Day sounded good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's it's kind of like that, that cinnamon candy heart kind of little bit of uh, uh-huh. little uh-huh. bit of heat to it. Coraline, score. Sorry, I didn't mean to bark orders at you. <clears throat> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, <laughs> no, I I thought it was good. I'll just give it a 7.9. Um, I think everything you said about it was right. I just liked the first one better. I'm, I might I might drive for it someday. Hmm. Cool. Yeah. If you're passing an area that had it, perhaps. <clears throat> yeah. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd add like 15 minutes to my trip. Going by That's Shenan- a lot. Shenanah Candies World Headquarters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Adam. I'm going to give it a six. It reminds me a lot of Fireballs for some reason. The old Fireball candies. Yeah. yeah. I don't know yeah, what yeah. we were saying, yeah. But uh, yeah, I I like it, but I, I think the the Irish was my favorite so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Hmm. Mr. Eric. Pardon me. Um, 
Carmiga. Um, tough choice. I'd say um, 7.2. I, I, uh, I think if I was going to drive for any of them, it would be the whiskey one. That is the most unique. The, the, the scotch, scotch one. The scotch yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's really nice. But again, it makes me think of the makes me think of the holidays. <clears throat> so, in August, I wouldn't be as into it. Fair point. Fair point. Um, I don't like that one as much with the scotch. the The cinnamon just does something weird hmm. with the scotch to me. Um, you may have a point there. Yeah, I like it alone by itself. I'd still say like seven, eight. Seven nine mm-hmm. to to try to pair it with the scotch. I bring it down to a seven, six nine somewhere in there. Mm. Um, it's it's not as good paired where the other ones are good paired. I'm okay with it, specifically with scotch. I don't know if I drink vodka straight. I don't know, maybe I like it better. Yeah, I'm, I'm a huge I'm a, I'm a cinnamon junkie. Okay, to some extent. So okay. I'm, I'm okay with it. I like it. I could see this going with a red wine. Like a, a Merlot, would be nice. Mm-hmm. I don't drink wine, so I will believe yeah, you. We have a there's a sweet red we get from Portugal that comes from Portugal. Apparently, we just found it, um, which would go very well with this. Okay, I forget what it's called. It's like Puralada or something, some Portuguese name. I don't remember, but that's my, my wife's apartment. But my uh, I can see that. My one uh, my tattoo artist is actually uh, Portuguese, and his wife always calls him Pork and Cheese. <laughs> Very respectful. She exactly. Is. Absolutely. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, well, she's Puerto Rican, so she's yeah. she jokes with them in that way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, indeed. Hmm. Yeah. How do you feel about the Dalmore? Oh, I love the Dalmore. Good stuff. It has a little bit of a, for those who don't know, <clears throat> the Dalmore has a little bit of a, uh, a chocolatey kind of note to it. So that's why it, it pairs well with most chocolate type stuff. It didn't seem to compete with anything yeah. to me, aside from the cinnamon, a little bit. Yeah, I, I like it with the, like it would be uh, Scotch flavored chocolate the best. Agreed. Excuse me. Uh-huh. All right, Mr. Adam. On to the questions. Does anybody Do we here have, have any questions? Boys and girls, if you've never been here before, load in your questions. Put them in the comments section. We have today. Mr. Mac is actually away. He's at a World War One reenactment, um, fighting in the trenches, so to speak. Um, <laughs> fighting the wind in the trenches. <laughs> yeah. He sent us a very interesting anecdote about the sensation of putting on your World War One era kilt in a 40 mile per hour gust of wind and what that feels like on the nethers. Yes. It... And I said, what are you using your cell phone when you're at a World War One event? Come on, man. Get into the game. How dare he? To which he said, I'm not at the event until I'm in the kilt. So it's, it's okay. It's true. Once he's kilted up, no more, no more uh, 21st century. Indeed. Mm-hmm. Well, today we have Miss Coraline, back behind the one mic, and Adam behind the other, reading questions from the audience. So, please, input the questions, whether you're on Twitter, or or, excuse me, uh, Twitch, the Facebooks, or the YouTubes. Put in your questions. We'll get to as many as possible, as well as some preloaded questions that we've accumulated from previous shows. Yep. Um, Before we forget, should we do the Tartans? Yeah, and I think these guys prepared images, too, so we could be more, like, smooth about it. Um, Very professional. I'll go first. Uh, Sterling, favorite universal tartan. Goes with everything. I was in a very industrial mood today, so I want something steel-colored. So, Sterling. Very good. Yep. I'm rocking the uh, uh, Royal Stewart 
weathered tartan. So I'm not a big fan of Royal Stewart. However, the weathered made it look a little bit different. I don't I don't like well, I shouldn't say I don't like it. I don't usually I'm not usually attracted to it because of how common it is and everybody has Royal Stewart stuff. Um, but in the weathered color palette, it gave it a little bit of a twist. So I dig it. So that's what I'm <clears throat> rocking today. Mr. Adam, Miss Corline. I'm wearing clergy. Because you clergy. Because I clergy. He clerges a lot. Ancient. Mm -hmm. um, I have on McLeod. I am not a member of that clan, but it is a really nice tartan. Do you know what the nickname for the McLeod of Lewis, a.k.a. McLeod dress that you are wearing is called? I don't. Loud McLeod. Mm -hmm. I see it. I yes. see it. I saw someone on the Facebook group who had like a whole suit the other day. So keep on oh, keeping on. like a target yeah. suit? Yeah. In Loud McLeod. Yeah. It, yeah. Was, it was something. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was definitely loud. I liked it, but it was loud. Mm -hmm. You'll never get lost. <clears throat> People no. will yep. always be able to find you. That's why Kelly got the, the orange car this time, because she will see it in a parking lot. Okay. Yes. I put a pirate flag on my car so I can see it in the parking lot. Fair. Fair. Yeah. Okay. So, cool. Adam, any questions from the people? We have a number of questions from the people, and now I have <laughs> to people. sort through them in an unprofessional manner, showing myself to uh, to not be Mac. Why don't we do um, this? What Do you have one, or do you want me to go throw to Eric first? If you want to go throw to Eric, I can try and sort my stuff, because we have plenty to sort through. Yes, I forgot that we were going to do that. That was a thing. <laughs> yeah. I didn't throw to Adam just there. I actually threw to Eric. It just it was a boomerang. It came around. It sounded a lot like Adam, <laughs> but it really said Eric. I like the fact that we try not to be too smooth with this stuff. I mean, we're real people. And the day we're not acting like real people, the day I'll be concerned. You're a real you know person? I mean? Well, I play one on YouTube. Uh, we're actually robots. <laughs> it's animatronics. It's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Four score and seven years ago, our forefathers brought forth upon this continent a new tartan. Um, David, Lud David Ludwig uh, asked us, Most sporns that I see... Uh, with metal cantles have a small knob sticking out of the top of the cantle. Does this knob actually serve a purpose, <coughs> or has it served a purpose in the past? Does it mean anything? Yes. Okay. The knob on the top of a dressborn. Um, way back when, dressborns functioned slightly differently than they do now. It was, you know, it basically it's a pouch where you keep your stuff. And when it evolved from the Rob Roy into a dressborn with the metal cantle on it, the original way it closed was more like a, a coin purse where it's like snaps closed at the top and it's two clamshells, you know, snapping up. Mm -hmm. You did a semicircle so you could still get your hand down into the sporn. <clears throat> In 1952 or 53, um, the, uh, there's, a, there's a sporn company in Scotland called W.E. Scott & Sons. Um, Malcolm Scott, who was, or his father, I guess, was the one who patented this. Um, he basically said, okay, well, it costs a lot of money to develop a hinged cantle. So what he did was, well, check that. Let me step half, half a step back. The hinge had to have a way to close. So there was a little catch, a little spring and, and spike, effectively, that went down inside the sporin that caught on a clasp on the inside of the sporin. And the ball that was on the top of the sporin, you actually would pull up which would, you know, shrink the spring and allow the sporin to open up and close, you know, in that way. What uh, Malcolm Scott's father did was he said, okay, it's it's costs a lot of money to have a, a hinged cantle. So he just took the front half of the hinge and put three screws on the back of it and 
just put that through the front panel of the Sporin. And then the back panel is just that, you know, tall oval shape with a small snap. And there was a little leather a little, a little flap, leather flap yeah. that went from underneath the cantle over the back top of the Sporin and snapped on the back side. In order to pay homage, the Dafa, the Kappa, if you will, um, to the Sporins and to the cantles that came before, he left a little ball on top so it would look like the other Sporins that were out there, but be much less expensive to manufacture, you know, and he could effectively get his price of his Sporins down and produce them more quickly. So that is what the ball on the top of the, the Sporin actually symbolizes or represents was the little catch that was on there before. Um in 19, I guess there was about a 30-year patent or something like that. So when it ran out, that's just kind of what happened and what the cantles became was that as the bog standard. And that's 99.9% of cantles that are out there today have that shape and have that just, you know, single flat piece that goes on the front of the sporn. Interestingly enough, some of the current day cantles actually are doing away with that ball on top. And yeah. it's just the straight semicircle kind of thing yeah since it's become just a piece of art now people are modifying even further and removing that that survival the unnecessary if you will. bit or yeah. they're they're playing it up like on our irish cantle that we made uh we turned the ball into a crown so you basically the, the cantle as a whole forms a clotta symbol you have the heart and the hands and the crown that's on the top of a clotta is the ball of the cantle but essentially yeah he devolved it into a decorative reinforcement plate whereas it had been a hinge closure yep so. That is the very, very short explanation mm -hmm. that I am too long-winded to give. Mm. Fair enough. All right. Cool. Mr. Adam, are you, good question, are you gathered? I don't know about gathered, but I'm here anyway. And uh, Mac, the trenches are not where he is. These, these are the trenches he's in on the day-to-day. -day. trying to keep... <laughs> there, there's a lot of people with a lot of questions, so folks, I'm going to do my best here. Um, let's uh, start with uh, Desert Driftwood Gaming. Uh, has a question. He says he's getting married in June and he wants to incorporate some items from his military service into his kilt kit. Mm. Uh, and so yeah. he wants to know, would it be all right to swap the buttons on an Argyle jacket for USMC dress blue buttons? Are they um, gold or silver? Do we know? They're probably gold. gold. Yeah. On the dress blues, they're gold. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And the other thing he wanted to ask in conjunction to that, he was going to wear some ribbons and a couple other rewards for his service. Mm -hmm. um, so. Sure. Um, there's a few different ways to incorporate military, you know, meaning symbolism into your kilt outfit. If you like, um, the buttons, if they're gold and I'm not a hundred percent positive, but 80% that they're gold. Um, yeah. the rest of the outfit typically is going to be silver. So if you have a problem with the, the, the look of mixing the, the brass or gold buttons and the silver buckles in the kilt and kilt pin and buckles and that kind of thing, um, it may prove a little problematic for you if you don't care how about it um other things you can do for your your mini medals um wear them according to military regulation on the argyle jacket um other symbolism you can incorporate we have a not not to be product heavy but we have a uh, uh a kilt pin for each of the branches of service we have a belt buckle for each of the branches of service um, we have a day sporn and we're developing a uh, dress sporn or semi-dress sporn with the, the badge on it as well. So there's a few different ways you can incorporate it. Another way is get a military tartan kilt. So if you're a U.S. Marine, mm -hmm. then 
wear the U.S. Marine Corps Leatherneck Tartan, and that would be one way to honor your military service without having to do the rest of the stuff if you didn't want to. Yeah, or you may have a tartan kilt for a clan, and you're trying to both show the uh, family heritage as well as the military uh, service heritage. Service heritage? I don't know. Um, the, uh, the decorations are, in a way, the easiest part. You will find in your regs um, specifications on where uh, you should place... Uh, ribbons or full medals on uh, a uh, like a tuxedo or a dress mess uniform and you basically go off of those and uh, make it fit the uh, the shape and lapel of the jacket that you're using the argyle jacket um i believe it's uh similar similar regs apply for all this stuff in the sense that you do not wear uh full medals after six full medals are for daytime only and then uh, the mini ribbons are for uh, a formal occasion in the evening um, if I remember correctly. Um, but uh, you should be able to look up without too much trouble the official regulations on where to place those ribbons, and that's uh, acceptable. Um, the uh, I personally would not go with changing out the buttons on the jacket. Um, it's a neat idea, um, but I think uh, in this way, in, in a sense, less is more, in a sense. I think the, I think the, the ribbons, um, they're really the most important factor. Um, they're what really speaks to what you've accomplished. Um, so I would go with that and not worry too much about modifying the garment. Um, I think it would look like you're trying too hard. Um, basically, uh, keep it simple and elegant. I mean, yeah, incorporate some other, uh, Marine Corps, uh, elements into the outfit if you want to, like a kill pin or what have you. Um, but yeah, I think the, the ribbons are, are really the, the, the focus. I would you know also I mean? point that, yeah, I would also point this out. The, if you put on the buttons, A, Make sure that they are the same width as the buttons yeah. that are on the jacket already to make sure they work I was through thinking, buttonholes. I was thinking that, too, because I think they're actually larger. <clears throat> and two, if you put them on and then later on decide that you want to switch back, it's more of a hassle. So mm. if you have to sew them all on or I don't know if they're a post and, and pin with the washer on the back um, or how they are affixed to the jacket, um, but you're doubling your work if you end up flipping them back. Mm. I'll give uh, one last thought is that... Um... We have had instances where people wanted to combine uh, military decorations with a fly plate, in which case it's hard to do gracefully. Um, and this is not something you'll find in any regulations, but we do often tell people it's not very conventional, but you can put the ribbons on the opposite uh, breast from where the fly plate is so they, they don't compete visually. Or so flip the fly plate and almost do that before the medals. Okay, you could. Um, that's true. I mean, there's really no, it's this convention that has the fly plate yeah. on your if left you're, shoulder. If you're doing this, you're kind of making it up anyway. So okay. it, yeah, I would say the, I think the reason the fly plate goes on the left is because most people are right hand, right arm dominant. So if you're right-handed having the fly plate on the shoulder may feel a little okay. awkward, like it's getting in your way. Um, but we've had people do both. I've had people put the ribbons on and put the fly plate on at the same time and they move the ribbons down or something. It just looks a little crowded. Um, but yeah, I'm flipping the fly plate or the ribbons one or the other. I would say this, it's, it's too much for, if, for fly plate and ribbons, I would do one or the other, not both. Yeah. It's in, in that particular instance, less is more. I don't disagree. Yep. I don't disagree. I have seen people use, um, dress uniform belts as a kilt belt sometimes. And they're okay. a little, they're a little skinny, but, um, but that's another thing I've seen people do where they use a, use the, 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 the uniform belt, um, with the kilt. Okay. So it's uh, much more than that kind of thing, and you get into a bit where you are disrespecting the uniform. So we do not usually recommend people wear, say, like the dress blues tunic with a kilt. That that gets some people weirded out. 
Um, so I'd say putting the military decoration elements onto standard Highland dress is probably the best way to go. Yeah, anytime you're mixing official military reg stuff with Highland wear, it's you're you're breaking conventions. A period. Yeah. So it's people can get their hackles up a bit. No mm -hmm. pun intended. Yeah. So. Makes sense. Enjoy your wedding. Yeah. Hope it helped. Yeah. Mr. Adam. Second here to make my way up. Um, Kirk Rayner from YouTube is wondering what the best way is to make, he says, but I'm not sure make would be the word, but he says to make people around him get into kilts. Um, hmm. I live in the far north, he says, of Ontario, and he believes he's the only person there in a kilt. In Ontario? Really? Yeah. It's Canada, man. Everybody's supposed yeah. to wear a kilt in Canada. The, the best way to make people get into kilts. Um, chloroform? Yeah, it's going to tie them up. <laughs> the uh, uh, There's not much you can do to make someone do something they don't want to do. Um, psychological tricks? <laughs> um, basically, just yeah. wear it, be a good ambassador, and you do you. And if it looks good on you and you're, you're a cool guy and people like talking to you and hanging out with you and that kind yep. of thing then people will follow. People will start to do things. Yep. Um, as they see something cool, they want to do it. Uh, if, if it's a good idea, it will catch on. Um, it we, is a good idea. It's I agree. damn good idea. Yeah. We're making it be a good idea through sheer volume of videos. Yeah. The, uh, Boy. <laughs> <laughs> so it's there's no good way other than to do it and have fun when you're out. Be a good ambassador. Yep. Talk to people about it when you're out there doing it. When... Most of the time, what you'll have is somebody comes up to you and says, hey, I'm from Scotland or, you know, my, my I have Scottish heritage and this and that. And they'll want to get into a discussion. So maybe kind of put it on them a little bit and say, well, where's your kilt? Why don't you have one? It's really, really cool. Come on in. The water's fine. That mm -hmm. kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And not shame them, but yeah, like no. just break down some of their excuses. Well, I don't have anywhere to wear it. Well, we're in a convenience store, a grocery market, and I'm wearing mine. There's no reason you can't wear one, too. Yeah. Um. And just get rid of the excuses and like bring down the walls a little bit. That's that would be my advice. Yeah, yeah. Um, basically, you're just leading by example, and uh, you'll have to choose your battles. Like we always say, in terms of dealing with the public, you're not going to want to engage every single person. <clears throat> but uh, the more you have a chance to have some knowledge at your fingertips to say, you know what, it doesn't have to cost a lot. You can get you can get an affordable kilt this way. You can try this out. You don't have to have anything but the kilt to get started. Try and encourage them by making them realize it's not hard to get into. That's the other thing. Is like, and, uh, and, and as Rocky has said in the past, it's a mental curb this high. Um, you can help them jump over it if you have the time to do so. But lead by example. Just, yeah. The other thing I would say is Be well. helpful. Yes. And the other thing I'd say as well. Um, bring, ask whoever you buy kilts from, whether it's us or a different company. Take business cards. Ask the company yeah. for business cards and keep them in your sporn. You have room in the sporn. Business cards don't take up much room. People are going to ask you, hey, where'd you get your kilt? Oh, that's so awesome. You're wearing a kilt. Mm -hmm. Hand them a business card and say you can get one too. And yeah. if they have, they may not know where to go or even think about like, oh, gee, I could actually buy that. I didn't think about that. Um, sometimes it's literally that that mental curb of, oh, wait, I can do that too. Hmm. I or, didn't think about that. Or they're afraid that. to buy online. I mean, it's easy to get a crappy kilt online if you don't know what you're doing. So, yeah, you know, yeah, I yeah. Mean, you can say, look, I trust these guys. I look this good because of these guys. 
and this is what you need to do. You know, you can even you can even tell them how to measure at home if you want to. You know, just uh, but again, it won't be every single person that you get into that level of discussion with. Uh, the main thing is to go out and be an awesome person in your kilt and lead by example. Going to parades, going to public events, going to you know festivals and that kind of thing. You know, yep. be out there and be on display. You be you. Be awesome. Mm-hmm. What's that? Be excellent to each other. Mm-hmm. To paraphrase Bill, party on Rocky, Bill and Ted, party on Garth. Wait, no, wait. <laughs> I think I'm mixing '80s things. Yeah, I think we're '90s things. That's all right. Yes, it's fine. What was it like in the '80s? Back in my day, I don't remember the '80s. We had neon-colored clothing, and we were happy to have it. Jams were cool. My mom made my jams. Oh, what? No, my mom used to. My mom sewed. And she, she made would, you jams? Yes. My brother and I wanted jams. Knee length, like floral print shorts. And this is early 80s. I'm about eight. Keep in okay, mind. Okay, okay. And uh, uh, yeah, we wanted jams. They were the cool thing in 1983, 84. Mm-hmm. And uh, mom made me and my brother jams. I think she made matching shirts too, but I will not cop to that. Um, I hope there's no images of that. That's. <laughs> Jams, yes. Perfect camouflage for when you're at a tiki bar. <laughs> Pretty much. You know what my mom made me from scratch? Shortbread? Nope. What? She made me a cape when I was five. And when I was in... Uh, high <laughs> she sc- told you to jump off a high building? When I was in high school and college, uh, she helped uh, make some of my first uh, medieval garb. Nice. She made me a 16th century doublet. Awesome. Modeled on Sean Connery's from Highlander. Because, of course... She sweat blood over that thing, sewing the velvet and everything. It was freaking awesome. Mom, if you're watching, he gets medieval garb, Highlander, you know, authentic Legit. quality. You made me jams. Mm-hmm. Soon people will be reenacting the 1980s. You'll be back in style. With elastic them. waistband. Not even button fly elastic. Now I'm angry about it. If she didn't make the books for the again. studio. We can't go home again. Yeah. All right. Now we're shaggy dogging. Yes. My turn? Yes. Oh, yes. Okay. We're going to go through I was, okay. some of the old ones. Yeah, yeah. Um, is there a time when you can consider a brown sporn or a brown belt formal? This is coming from Daniel McCuller. And he was basically, I think he was saying, you know, given the differences between day and semi-dress sporns in brown leathers, you don't really see <clears throat> dress sporns in leather too much, or in brown leather too much. But, um, you know, at what point <clears throat> is brown... How far can you push it? Yeah, using brown for a formal set. Yeah, um, the the lines are. I would say this five years ago. My hard answer would be, uh, "What are you talking about?" No, you don't. Um, more recently, the lines have been blurred a bit. Um, as pipe bands go, so goes the world. So about ten years ago, eight years ago, the grade one bands in, in Scotland started wearing tweeds more often. And what goes well with tweeds? is more earth tone kind of stuff. The weathered tartans go well with tweeds. <clears throat> so it just kind of became its own thing a little bit. And so you started seeing more rental companies or higher companies over in the UK, more bride and grooms wanting to wear tweed jackets and vests. And as you get tweed jackets and vests, brown matches very well and goes very well with tweeds. So as the lines of what is formal or not formal, or dressy and not, or smart day wear to dress, 
um, kind of get blurred a little bit. You start having these, I won't say bastardizations because that's it's <laughs> it's a negative connotation on it. But you start having these these weird muddled things that in in some ways are really really cool and different, in other ways are an abomination to God. Um, so you end up with like the the bronze, the copper bronze ish, you know, chocolate bronze cantles that are you know starting to come into vogue now a bit. You end up with the tweeds worn for dressy, very dressy type events. You end up with brown leather sporns and brown gillies worn for dressy events. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's cool because it, it goes well together. It's a very, very smart look. It's not formal, but it still looks good. So people end up doing it, um, and it just be kind of becomes more accepted the more it occurs. Now, which one of those is the abomination unto God? Yes. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. I don't know. I was just waiting for that. It was like, do, whatever them. you do, do not wear well, this. No, no, no. But. It's the 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 chocolate bronze cantle. Some people, a traditional traditional meaning like older or someone who's who's come up with it, expecting it a certain way, mm. who fears change or doesn't like change, and like this is how you do Highland wear. You don't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, wouldn't like it. That would be an abomination. Okay. To somebody else who's a little bit younger, a little bit, you know, hipper, mid-20s, you know, hipster type thing, might look at it and go like, that's awesome. I love tweed. I love Harris tweed. I love, you know, brown leathers. Cool. It's different. It's right it's up my not, alley. It's not what my dad wore. It's not the old guy thing. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. So it's it's cool or horrible, depending on who you're asking. Mm-hmm. But it's it's horrible. Horrible. <laughs> Okay. Cool and horrible. Okay, yeah. I think I think in the modern context in this century, you uh, a lot of people think in terms of formal equals dressier than you normally wear, and their definition doesn't necessarily go into more detail than that. Yeah. So the fact that I don't normally wear this big fancy fur sporin or the bronze sporin or even a kilt for that matter for some people, um, that therefore makes it formal. It when they, de facto they really, formal. What they de facto mean formal. It. What they really mean yeah. is fancy or more elegant than usual yeah you know more I mean? than my jeans and t-shirt yeah 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 above the average but um uh yeah i think the the other but it's absolutely a fashion thing um if you think you can coordinate that with the rest of an outfit and it looks good looks sharp looks like you did it on purpose um then you can in this day and age a lot of time you can get away with it it's not a new trend the prince charlie jacket was actually invented by some guys who did not want to wear regular doublets anymore. They didn't want to wear the fusty old doublets that their dads and granddads were wearing. So they invented the PC, which has very jazz age type lapels on the jacket because it was a more modern alternative for a younger clientele. Tail type things in the back versus the placards all the way around. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yeah, an updated look on an older style. It's effectively the same kind of thing that's happening now. It's fashion. So it does... While the kilt itself is timeless, the fashion surrounding the kilt is not entirely. There's It takes a lot longer for fashion to affect a kilt than it does the rest of the world, but yeah. it still does get influenced. It does, does still get affected by what is going on in the rest of the fashion world. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Agreed. Cool. Lovely. That was one of yours? Yes. Mr. Adam. All right. One from the audience. Let's see. We have um, an interesting problem, which I think we can kind of all understand. 
Lewis Collingwood from Facebook says that wearing a kilt every day can get you stopped in a lot of places, to, not, not like by police, but to talk about it. Oh, yeah. You know, people have conversations. Yeah. And sometimes, sometimes you got time to talk, but sometimes you don't. What's a good way to kind of end the conversation without leaving a bad taste in people? Or, or sometimes, <coughs> sometimes you're just in a lousy mood that day. You know, uh, you've talked about this many yeah. times. Um, there's... Every situation is different. Some people, uh, we've all gotten into conversations with that person who does not want to let you go mm-hmm. and wants to keep talking. I've been that guy to my staff in meetings on some time, some occasion. Never. Um, never, no, no. I'm always succinct. <clears throat> However, it's one of those where you have to, uh, one thing I would say is look at your watch. That indicates like you're in a hurry. So in a subtle way. To act like you're in a hurry. Not like Maybe. you're bored with the conversation. Just glance at it. And then when you have an opening in the conversation, be like, I really hate to cut you short. You know, it's a very interesting discussion. I hate to cut you short. I do have to be somewhere. But this is really, really cool. Hey, if you want to check it out, um, there's a bunch of different Facebook groups. Or here's a company. and Have a company card. Or if it depends on what the discussion's about. If it's about the heritage, tell them about our YouTube show. Um, if it's about, you know, Face, you can uh, uh, show them our Facebook group for kilts and culture. If they're talking about their family tartan and their kilt, be like, hey, here's the company of the car that I get my stuff from. They're really cool. They're going to take care of you. It was really nice chatting with you. And just go right into that and start exiting. It's There's no graceful way to get the hell out of a conversation that when somebody keeps wanting to talk. And, and uh, yeah, I, <laughs> uh, what I realized when you started talking was it's like a breakup. It's not you. It's me. Sorry. You're great. No, you're fine. It's awesome. But I really have to go. You, you could play the... Look, you know, I, I gotta go pick up my kids. They're waiting for me. I, I gotta... My cat's on fire. Yeah. Um, you know. Uh, there are gonna be times, to be perfectly honest, when you're not gonna want to wear a kilt just because you're on a mission and you don't want to attract any attention at all. Good point. You know, if you're doing special yep. ops, say, or black ops, you know, like I do. But... Uh, it, no, seriously, it, going to the hardware store and you're in the middle of working on a project on your house, you may as well just throw the jeans or something on to get to the hardware store, get in, get out. Um, for those of us who are lifestylers, that can be annoying almost. It's like backwards thinking compared to most people who are just like, it's a special day, I'm going to put on my kilt because it's special. It's it's a weird <clears> reversal, <throat> but some days you just, you know, if you're not feeling well or if you got a lot of stuff on your mind or stuff you have to do, then maybe you forego the kilt that day. But otherwise... Yeah, you'd be graceful and be a good ambassador, as we always say. But, um, yeah, realize that, yeah, maybe sometimes you just have that graceful exit planned. You the, know what I mean? <clears throat> In that instance, here, here's where my mind goes. I don't know if this is being a bad ambassador, but it's a thought. If I'm wearing a kilt, I'm out, I'm on the way home, and the wife calls me and says, hey, I need milk, go stop at the store. Um if I'm in a kilt already and I have to go somewhere, either A, pick up your pace so you're walking faster. So if someone tries to catch up to you, you can you know, out, outrun them. Mm-hmm. Don't break out into a sprint, but um, you're kind of walking faster than them. And it's obvious that you're trying to get somewhere. Or B, look like angry, just like, <clears throat> and just kind of like shuffle along angrily. Um, <laughs> Some of us or, look like that all the time. <clears throat> yes. But, yeah. um, or C, uh, and this, I, I almost feel bad because this is like kind of dishonest, but I'd do it anyway. Um, if I'm in a store, it's let's say it's Home Depot, big store, a lot of people, 
you know, long, long hallways kind of thing or long, long aisles. Yeah. Um, if someone's like, hey, hey, pretend you don't hear them. Just keep walking. If, if you really are in a rush yeah. or you're not in the mood, just pretend you don't hear them. If it's obvious, if they're standing in front of you, hey, I like your kill. And they're and they won't let you pass. Sorry, you're stuck. But if they're behind you, which is why I say walk fast, um, you may be able to get past it and not deal with it if you pretend you didn't hear them. Yeah. Not that I would ever do that. Yeah. But uh, if, if you're just in a social situation, like say, you know, you and your girlfriend have decided to go out to this shopping district in a historic district town or something like that, you're taking a slow pace, you're window shopping, you're just enjoying the day and you're kilted and you're feeling great. You kind of have to allow a little extra time for the fact that people are going to want to talk to you. Um, so kind of build it into your mental framework for the day that this is a relaxed day. This is a slow day. I'm going to enjoy the interactions with these people on my terms. But, you know, I'm going to give them a chance to talk to me because this is supposed to be a relaxed day. This is supposed to be an aesthetic day, you know, and I'm very aesthetic compared to everybody else here. So I would, I would point this out as well as a minor tangent before we shaggy dog it too yep. much. <clears throat> too late. The, um, if you are going out with your, you know, significant other that day, take their feelings a little bit into account. If they roll their eyes every single time someone stops to talk to you about it, your kilt because they're stuck there just sitting there waiting for you to get finished your conversation, um, then if you're going out on a date, me and and it bothers them, those are the two caveats, then maybe not wear the kilt then if you know you're going to get attention from other people when you're supposed to be focusing on them mm -hmm. in that mm -hmm. particular date. Alternately, you can prearrange with them to have them be the, the scapegoat. You know, I, I do this with my wife sometimes, you know, and we both do. You know, because like, look, I'd love to talk to you, but my wife, she really wants us to get going. I'm really sorry, but I gotta, I gotta. And she'll totally play into that for me. And sometimes there'll be instances where it's the reverse. Like she'll be stuck in a conversation. Like, yeah, my husband, he's, he's telling me we have to go. It's all, it's all his fault. He's a jerk. Yeah. And you just do good yeah. cop, bad cop. You or know? if you can catch their eye, just be like, mm -hmm. and maybe give them the heads up of, hey, get me yeah. out of here. Yeah. Um, and then they can step in and just say, hun, we have to get going. Come on. We're going to miss our movie. Um, and then you can go, oh, okay, I'm sorry. Uh, it, was, it was great meeting you, and turn around and walk away. A roast in the oven. You know, a roast in the oven. So, yeah. yeah. But it's a good problem to have, Teamwork. Right? It's cool to have that problem. Teamwork. People want to talk to you. Makes the dream work. Mm -hmm. Indeed. Mm -hmm. Adam, All one right. more. We have you. Jason <clears throat> Pinkston. Uh, he wants to know if we have a recommendation for a jacket type to wear with a kilt in casual day settings. I think Jason might have asked this on the, on the group, but um, the basic answer is anything. We have personal favorites, which we can go into. Casual that, day settings. Jacket and casual, depending on your definition of casual, is, you know, different. Um, so the, the general answer is tweed. What I think he's trying to That's elicit like what we from call us. nice day wear. <clears throat> yeah, smart day wear. Yeah, smart um, day wear. Thank you. What I think he's trying to allude to is like, is there a linen jacket or something like that? Mm -hmm. um, not really. Um, and I, I would say it from this angle. <clears throat> um, the In Scotland, it's a colder temperature. It's, you know, Pennsylvania and, and higher. They don't have a ton of, you know, heat waves over there. Um, they did last year, but not many. Um, so... For the most part, the, the cloth that they use is wool or cotton or that kind of thing. Um, linen, 
to a degree, but not really for outerwear necessarily. So it's not usually done, or I haven't really seen it done in a in a jacket for a kilt in linen specifically. Hmm. Um, but a a tweed is the majority of what I'd say, or a or a, a lighter colored barathea, or like the 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 thornproof fabric from our gray Braemar jacket and vest. Um, something a little bit lighter colored. So if you're outside in the summer, you know, sun beating down on you, it's not going to be like black and, you know, absorb the heat. Yeah. Um, so that's again, but again, that's, I feel that's the smart day wear category. Um, I think a tan or a light brown or, you know, a brown, uh, Barathea jacket could be an option for, you know, it'd be, it'd be dangerous to play with. It would have to be uh, custom, for, though. It wouldn't. It, there yes, wouldn't anything, it would have to be custom. But there's not anything add. out there off the shelf right now, ready to go. I call them up and say, send me one, that it's going to exist. Mm-hmm. It would be a new thing that we would there be no, creating. There are no seersucker kilt jackets. Um, but casual, casual, sky's the limit. Um, we usually recommend going with a shorter cut casual jacket, like uh, an, Ike jacket. an Ike jacket is a classic. Um, we both like bomber jackets. We both We both have that going on. In fact, if you see a couple of our commercials, you'll see us wearing those in the commercials. I think I've got a bomber jacket on in the one commercial, and you've got the Ike. Um, those look awesome. You know, it's uh, anything with a slightly shorter cut uh, is going to look good with a kilt. So, Shows off more of the kilt. Yeah. Period. Yeah. I mean, a leather jacket, a lot of leather jackets will look fine with a kilt. Um, yeah. It's basically, you don't have to be that limited. What's the, uh, I'm trying to think of the uh, the jacket. The Merc jacket, or is it called Merc jacket? A British yeah. style. Um, it's like shorter, usually plaid insides, um, like Royal Stewart or whatever. Um, I don't know. Is it Merc? Is it the brand name? Are you thinking like I the forget. mod, kind of like the mod, like look the mod the look? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I don't know the, I don't remember the the name for it. Which okay, dry, is gonna drive when we crazy, when but, we do this, we'll put yeah, up there's... an image right here. Look, this jacket. Woo! There you go, Coraline and Eric. Play with that. But um, uh, yeah, there's um, any of those things will work fine. Yeah. Just a, a slightly shorter cut is good. Bomber. Agreed. Let's go bomber. Yep. But, okay. All right, Mr. Eric, we'll do one of the preloaded ones. All right. Okay, and I'm going to get to Mike's question. Mike has been asking us this a couple of times because um, uh, we just didn't get to it, you know, time and circumstance. But um, Mike points out, most Highland jackets have epaulets. How do you feel about wearing shirts with epaulets with a kilt? Is it a cool military-style look, or do you end up looking like a cop or a park ranger or a pilot wannabe? And I would include Boy Scout in <coughs> that um, from Mr. Mike Larson. And I apologize for the delay in getting back to you. Um, pilot shirt. Someone wearing today. This one does not have epaulets. I don't think. No. No. And uh, but. That proves a point. I have several that do have epaulets. I have no problem with it at all. Um, it is definitely a fashion accent that's borrowed from the military. The intersection of the British military with kilts is well known. Uh, goes back throughout the 20th century. Um, so you have plenty of examples historically of military guys and then band guys wearing a military style shirt with epaulets, with a kilt. It looks fine. I wouldn't worry about it. Okay. I personally... Right now, I kind of prefer without epaulets, personally. Um, hence this one I'm wearing now. Um, just because I tend to wear my shirts hard, and after a while the epaulets might look a little wrinkly or something. They look a little 3D, more 3D than I want. Um, but it's nothing wrong with it. You know. Yeah. I, 
pretty much the same thing. I don't see any real issue with it. You're not a poser. It's not stolen valor. It's not. You're not trying to pass off something you're not. It's yeah. just a style in the same way a cable knit sweater is a style or a military sweater is a style or mm-hmm. a, you know, a Jacobite shirt is a style. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. So enjoy it. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it, looking like a wannabe comes out, comes when you are trying to put together several details into an outfit in a ham handed way to look like something. Like if you're wearing like uh, pilot's glasses as well as a pilot's hat as yeah, well as your or, name tag and right. wings and or or if you've got or if you got a military shirt <clears throat> and police boots and you know uh, uh you know a, a Sam Brown belt or something like that for your kilt belt then people are going to think what is he some kind of military guy or something I mean it's context of the other parts of the outfit are going to balance everything out yeah you know what I mean you can so. fashion borrows. From everything. I mean, yeah. you know, look how long, you know, tartan has been in fashion and been a thing on runways. And, you know, Peter McQueen did it for a long time. And, you know, Vivian Westwood, like all these yeah. fashion icons and, you know, fashion houses or whatever they're called, um, borrow tartan and throw it in, you know, runways. They're not trying to be traditional. That's They're doing their own thing with it. They're borrowing from it. That's how things evolve. Yeah. Um, they're the one, one, Angle on that also would be um, uh, our friend Verlin Hayes. He is uh, very active in the Hayes clan, and he has a kind of a uniform that he uses when he's representing the clan at a festival manning the clan tent, and that includes a military-style shirt, and he has uh, clan regalia in the outfit, occasionally a little bit of tartan even. I think he's even done, like, collar dog. Yeah, not collar dog. uh, I'm trying to think of the name. um, Epaulette slides, effectively. um, Hey, tartan. What do you call those things? Fruit Loops. No, Fruit Loops is when it's the the tricolor for the Irish. Okay, but but the point is he's turned it into something that basically says I look sharp, I look official, um, and you can talk to me about the clan. I am here to officially represent them. He's also you know has a very very long and proud military history himself. He does. So he more naturally kind of it it flows from Mm -hmm. his regular life and lifestyle into his Highland dress. But he's yeah, Verlin's an awesome dude. Yeah, so go for it. Yeah, absolutely. He's a, I, I wish I could fence him someday. He's a fencer also. Do you know that? You can make my fence too. If I ever need a fence. The dad jokes are strong with me. Yeah, it's been... I blame the chocolate. And coffee and scotch. I'm going to throw it at him. And breath mints. All right. Um, next question is from Jared Reynolds. Um, and this is one of... If you're getting, I think deep into things. I know I've spent some time thinking about it. (laughs) If you had to choose a mill to be your favorite on quality, which would it be? That's my answer. It's a lot easier for those of us who are not as close to this as him to come up with an answer. But, yeah. uh, Honestly, mine is... Probably Martin, Martin Mills, because yep. it's. Yep, I figured. <clears throat> here's why: um, House of Edgar. Th- they all have good quality cloth. All the mills in the UK. That's my stock answer. And they all have strengths um, and weaknesses. Yes, exactly. There, are, there are characteristics to each. Just like your, you know, Dodge, Chevy, GMC, Ford. It's you're going to have people who like each one. Um, there are, and there's different characteristics to each one. For me, it is um, House of Edgar. I like the issue is theirs is a little bit harder to iron. And the other thing is they have 
a, a slightly more limited color range, especially in 16 ounce. All right, all right. And the their ancient colors, I hate. Um, is that too strong? I hate. I don't mind them as much as he does. Um, no, it's yeah, they're they're different from the other mills. On purpose, they chose to be different in their ancient color palette, but I don't like it as much. Um, Martin Mills, for their 16-ounce cloth, holds an edge very, very well. It's Teflon-coated, which I like because it's you know, stain-resistant, that kind of thing. Um, offer a pretty good color palette for, if anything, custom is, has to be done. Um, and they offer a reasonable number of tartans. Not as many, uh, but a reasonable number. And price, they're a little bit less expensive than the other mills. Okay. So... I like that for myself. Okay. Um, but yeah, I'm I have kilts from every mill. I don't there's none that I'm literally like, oh, I would never buy from them. Hmm. It's just a matter of each particular tartan and who has it available, the colorways that they have it versus another mill, and you know, what I want to buy. Okay. You make a very compelling case. I do my I might, best. I might have to rethink that. But yeah, yeah, I'd say either of those is is good. Um the, Martin, and, the House of Edgar cloth is harder. It's a harder finish. I think that's what I like about it. <clears throat> yeah, it's like the, the little nap, the little hairs sticking up on the surface of the fabric mm-hmm. um, isn't as much. Yeah. And it, it is much more difficult to give it a crease than it is, for instance, La Caron. La Caron's, you hold an iron near it, and it, it gets scared and lays down and creases. <laughs> um, same kind of thing with Martin Mills. Um, to a degree, Strathmore's as well. Um, Dog Leash, yes. Um the yeah so each one has their own thing kind of idiosyncr- idiosyncrasies it, yeah yeah based on how the how their weaving process goes the minutia and, and their and their sources for thread and things like that yep yeah. absolutely for yeah. yarn yeah but i would say um if it is a reputable mill i can only speak from our experience but we deal with the mills which have it down enough to a science that you can rely on them yeah um if you don't recognize the name of the mill then you might want to be suspect about it. But for the most part, if it's one of the big, you know, three, you know, like Martin Mill, you know, five. Well, okay, the three so far were... Strathmore, Martin Mills, Mills. House of Edgar, Lockharen, Dogleash, and Batley's. Okay. I wasn't going to include Batley's but personally, no. but and I'm not sure about Dogleash sometimes, but uh, whatever. Yeah. But anyway, I think you're... But you're, that's none of my business, the Kermit, insert Kermit meme here. <laughs> but seriously, I, I wouldn't, if you're, if you're trying, if you're torn between two mills based on which one has your tartan, and it's like, uh, there's this mill that does it, and there's this mill that does it, which one do I choose? You're probably going to be fine either way. If you're not sure, like we always say, get a swatch. And the other thing I'll point out is, ultimately, when you when you buy a kilt from from us or from any kilt company, you're not... It, it, we are the ones who are responsible. It passes through our hands and then on to you. So don't, yeah. cons- without trying to sound condescending as I'm not... Um, don't worry too much about the mill because ultimately it's my name on it. It's our name on it. And if it's bad, then we will hear about it and then you'll hear about it through reputation. Yeah. So we don't carry things in, in, on our website and store that we feel weird selling. We literally, any mill that we've ordered from, including the Butte mill on Isle of Butte, um, Mm, we've tested their cloth and made kilts of it and done things with it before we would ever sell it to a customer because it just makes sense. It doesn't make sense to damage our reputation or anything like that for a couple bucks if there's an issue. Mm -hmm. And if there's a problem with a particular, like a fluke, 
something's wrong with a particular run of cloth, your kilt maker's gonna see that before you ever see it. You know, if they see that there's a problem with a thread or something, they're gonna catch that and, <clears throat> you know, deal with the mill on your behalf before they do anything else. <clears throat> I would hope. There, I'm gonna I'm gonna go slightly tangential here and for one we, second. And then we should move on. I Check promise. Um, the one of the reasons we don't make kilts out of customer supplied cloth or out of cloth that we didn't source. One of the reasons for that is if there is a problem, ultimately it's on us and we take that responsibility on us. Mm -hmm. So if we didn't source the cloth, I can't exactly send it back to a customer like, sorry, didn't work because the cloth's not good enough or there's a problem here. You need to deal with this. I like dealing directly with the mills and ordering from the mills because if there's a problem, we just say, nope, there's flaws in this. Take it back. Give me another one. And I don't have to worry about it or dancing on someone's feelings or anything like that yeah. or beating around the bush. It's just a straight, nope, not good enough, rejected, do it again. Mm -hmm. Not yeah. quite so rude, but sometimes, you know Sometimes I mean. that means there might be a time delay, but we'd rather have it right. Oh, yeah. Well, I would, late, but right. I would tell the customer if, oh, yeah, if yeah. there's going to be yeah. an issue. Yeah. But generally, since we order the cloth, as soon as the order comes in, it's not mm -hmm. an issue. Yeah. So, cool. Right. Sorry for the long answer. Hope that helps. Mr. Adam. All right. Matthew Howard has a question. Uh, he started playing in some Irish sessions at the local pub. Cool. Um, nice. So he wants to know, should he focus on wearing Irish kilts or Irish focused kilts? I'm <coughs> missing Irish tartans, that kind of thing. Uh, and does wearing the Scottish tartan kilts make him look like he doesn't understand the difference in the cultures? 99.9% um, .9 of the people who are going... Won't know, won't know what tartan you're wearing until you tell them. Um, even when you tell them, if it's McDonald, they're going to assume it's an Irish McDonald, not a Scottish one. People are going to see what they want to see and hear what they want to hear. So I wouldn't worry too much about it. Um, if you have Scottish and Irish ancestry and you want to specifically pay honor to your Irish stuff for doing your Irish session music, then sure. Buy an Irish County Tartan Kilt. Mm -hmm. um, those are, there's a beautiful collection from House of Edgar in those. Um, the, if you're Scottish or, let's say this, you don't have much money, you already have a Scottish Tartan Kilt, you're debating whether you want to invest in an Irish one or not, save some money and eventually get the right kilt for you and just wear your Scottish one in the meantime. Most people going to those kind of things, even the other musicians, won't necessarily unless it happens to be their own tartan as well, won't necessarily recognize what you're wearing as, you know, oh, that's County Dublin. Oh, that's awesome. Um, they're just going to go, oh, what tartan is that? That's pretty much it. Yeah, yeah. and uh, you can always balance it out with Irish-themed accessories. Yeah. Yeah. Very but, true uh, well. I wouldn't worry about that. Um, just make sure your outfit's put together and uh, you're enjoying playing. Yeah. You play well, all is forgiven. Agreed. You know? So we always say the Irish stuff is more fast and loose than the Scottish stuff anyway. Yeah, it's a newer so, tradition, you know, so it's still yeah. finding its feet, so to speak. Um, it's only around since the, yeah, well, actually around since the beginning of the 19th, 1900s. Um, mm -hmm. But more recently, the Irish County Tartan is only since like 1995. It didn't really blow up until the 90s, yeah. Yeah, late so. 90s, early 2000s is when it really yeah. kind of took over. So yeah, just enjoy the outfit. Yep. Yeah. All right. Uh... I'm going to do Ian's question. Hey, Ian. Hi. Um, if you could outfit any celebrity in a kilt for the Oscars, who would you pick and why? 
Okay. Can be anybody. <clears throat> I will say this. I'm not, there's no, there is no celebrity I like am dying to meet or have to meet or want to outfit. Like there's no one particular one. I will, I will go a higher umbrella theme type question. Okay. Or type answer. <clears throat> I would say a, a bigger dude guy, um, musclier. Okay. Here's one I'll, I'll say. Um, and I would specifically want to do one that is not Scottish or not Irish. Um, the rock. No, okay. no name pun intended or okay. name preference intended. Okay. Because he's big dude, handsome, um, definitely ripped. And the, my, my caveat would be, I would want to be able to make, to physically not, not dress him, but make sure every part of his outfit is correct. I would want to make sure he was a sincere student of the culture and wanted to do it right. I would want to make sure that he wanted to look, you know, within the bounds of good taste, he would want to look good and that kind of thing. He would want to look traditional and I would want to be able to say, okay, well, you know, here's how you wear your kilt hose this far below your knee. Make sure your flashes are at exactly this location. Here's how you wear the dress born. You don't wear a belt when you're wearing a dress born. As long as my, my contract with him, this theoretical contract would be that he would listen to my advice on how to wear it. If he would do that, I could make him look perfect and it would look good going down the red carpet. Um, there are so many celebrities when they go to wear a kilt, they just kind of give lip service to it and they do it poorly or they're given poor advice. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm thinking of uh, Patrick Stewart in his Stewart hunting kilt with a regular suit jacket or um, you know, Snoop Dogg wearing his kilt on stage with his kilt hose all the way up and his flash garters like just wrapped around his leg and his hose are over his knees. Like weird little things that it's, you look at it and you just go, ah, why didn't you fix that one tiny thing? Come on. Um, so I would want to make sure he looked hmm. spot on. I would want him to be strapping big dude and that I would like to do. Okay. All right. I get that. Any input from you any uh, any celebrity you I have in mind i think it's um i see what you're saying i think it's basically you want to be uh helping somebody who's in the limelight to look good to look good and to show that they care about the heritage <clears throat> um you know or, or the aesthetics uh or both so i get what you're coming from um i would do and this has nothing to do with oscars because i don't really follow oscars i really don't follow hollywood at all um, but I got two two choices for you. One would be Vin Diesel, because he's a total nerd, and he I know he has a kilt, the leather one. And yeah. he, he has a well, no, he has a tartan kilt also, and he has okay. a custom made uh, sporn that somebody made for him a while back, which has the triple X logo on it. He I can almost guarantee okay. you would take it seriously if you tried to give him advice on it, because he's because okay. he's got the nerd factor going on, and anybody who's got a nerd factor for anything tends to be able to be to transfer that to uh, that passion. To something else, so he would care. He'll be a good I mean? choice. I saw a video with him. He's a cool guy. They were recording in Glasgow, and he was on the street, and someone like took a video of him. He got the 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 crowd gathered watching the filming to sing yeah. "Flower of Scotland" um, with him exactly. singing. Here we go. Right, let me hear you sing it. 
So he's exactly. obviously into the culture. Yes. That would be a good yes. one too. I'll give you that. And I would, if I could go back in time, um, I would gift a uh, a Douglas Tartan kilt and accessories and complete outfit to Kirk Douglas. He's massively important actor in my opinion. Great guy. Um, personal hero of mine and my family's. And I think it would be awesome to do okay. a kilt outfit for that caliber of human being. Okay. How's that? Well done. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. Both good answers. Thank you. I'm very proud. I, of I only just thought. I only just thought of them. I would like dibs on Ewan McGregor if he ever needs to be outfitted. He's done it. He's done it, and he I already ask. knows what he's yeah. doing. I know. It'd be yeah. easy. But <laughs> <laughs> you get to talk to him. Um, Ewan McGregor. He did. Uh, he's done a lot of cool stuff. Actually, he's done a round the world motorcycle uh, ride. Not a race, but a ride for for charity. Um, yeah, he he really does groove on his uh, ancestry. So yeah, that's a good choice. A I choice. think we may have sold him a kilt belt buckle at some point, but we couldn't prove it. Correct. Yeah. The address <laughs> the address was Hollywood, and uh, the name on it was Ewan McGregor. Um, so it could have been some maybe some other could have been him, could have not. Don't know. Mm-hmm. In my brain, mm-hmm. it's him. Okay, Adam, do you have anybody you'd want to put a, any celebrity you'd put a kilt in? Put a kilt on, not him. Put. I would love to feed. I now I just want to feed a kilt to a celebrity, <laughs> and so with that in mind, I can't think of anyone. I'm else. sorry. <laughs> Derailed your creativity. It's all right. Very good. Next question, Adam. Oh, I got, I'm, now I'm thinking of more people. <laughs> I'm thinking of more people you now. Had one, you had two. You're I know. Only allowed one. I know. Well, you got my my got my gear spinning there. Go ahead, Adam. All right. Um, Stray Cat sixteen seventy four asks, "What about having a jacket and vest custom made for kilt wear, but in a modern suit style?" Sure. Yeah. How would that go with kilt? Sure. It's not hard. It's called um, the Wallace jacket and vest. Yeah, yep. that's that's a a, a, a trade <clears throat> name or a market uh, a style a name. style name. Um, yeah, you can basically take any suit jacket. Uh, cut except for like a double-breasted jacket that's not going to work that probably goes without saying yeah. like you're not going to be in an, what we used to be considered an italian cut suit jacket with the the wide you know lapels and the, and the crisscross and everything double double-breasted jacket is not going to work no just straight but out. for the most part a um modern regular suiting fabric barathea cloth um and a lot of the the appointments of a modern jacket will just work shorter yeah will work okay just make it a little shorter do not try to modify an existing existing jacket because the pockets will screw it up and it'll look ridiculous. Um, most times, I've, once in a while, I've seen somebody do a conversion that works, but it's very rare. Yeah, um, you wind up looking like a waiter on a cruise ship. Um, so it's yeah, but but in terms of uh, doing a modern kind of a jacket cut for a kilt wear, yeah, people do it. And if you want one off the peg, so to speak, yeah, check out the Wallace jacket. Um, that is uh, a herringbone. Usually comes in a herringbone black uh, cloth. I think it's a three-button. Yeah, yeah. three-button, no epaulets, crail cuff or suit cuff, meaning yeah. like either one button on the backside or three buttons. 
and then just the regular suit flap pockets, mm -hmm. um, three button front, and then the lapels are a little bit shorter. They're not as long right. and sweeping. And on the bottom, instead of having a nice, uh, like long arc to the bottom of the jacket, it's more of a quick, just cut down okay. at the bottom. A sharp, a sharp Sharper. curve as opposed yeah. to, yeah. It's basically the more minimal the appointments, the more minimal the decoration is, the more contemporary it'll look, and the easier it is to have it work with a kilt if you want a contemporary look. Absolutely. Yeah. Mr. Adam. Tim Engel wants to know if there are any good arguments to get his boss to allow him to wear his kilt to the office. To the office. Lots of arguments <clears throat> I think are good. Whether he'll listen to them is another matter. Yeah. Um, ultimately, it's his place. He has the right to say yes or no. Yeah. Um, the You're right. It's you can you can try to pull off um, a couple arguments. None of them are solid. None of them are rock solid. There are there are big gaping holes in these arguments. Um, it is not a religious garment, so you can't you know compare it to a burqa or something like that. Um, it is a heritage garment, but it is not religious. Um, you can pull off, or you can you can point to the hey women can wear skirts. Why can't men wear kilts? Um, type argument, yeah. but that's depending on the how conservative the office place is. They may not listen to that. Um, the now where they where you may be able to get away with it a little bit more, depending on the size of the company. If it's a real big company, that's fine too. Um, is if men aren't allowed to wear shorts, but women can wear dresses or skirts, then you might be able to twist it and get in there. I would say talk to your HR department if it's a bigger company. If it's a smaller, meaning 30-person, 50-person, or less company, where it's run more as a dictatorship than a, a proper, you know, proper company. Um, the, Benevol um, a benevolent Benevolent dictatorship. dictatorship, yes, yes. I only execute the really bad ones. Yeah. So, um, it's it, ultimately, it is, it's their company, and they're going to run it how they see fit, and it's their aesthetic it's there you know if you're especially if you're interacting with customers it reflects on the company and if they don't think it's going to reflect well then they have the right to tell you not to wear it in the same way you have a right to look for other employment um if wearing a kilt is something that is important to you then start looking for you know on the sly potentially but start looking for other jobs that would allow it or that would be a little bit more open to it if mm -hmm. you're <clears throat> I think we offered this advice in, a, we, in another we have, video. We have, yeah. That when you're having a job interview, you're vetting the company as much as they're vetting you. And kilt friendliness might be one criteria for vetting a company that you might want to work for. Yeah. It's the more liberal, like open, not liberal as in political sense, but like liberal as in fun, open, you know, young, hip, the, the company is, the better chance you have. Um, and somebody asked if before, would you wear a kilt to an interview? What I would, yeah, that's what I, the advice that I gave was this, if you need a job, like you can't afford your rent next month kind of thing, then not necessarily. If you need a job, you need it now, you got to get a job. And that's the main priority is getting money in. Then I wouldn't necessarily wear a kilt to work or wear a kilt to the interview. If you're in a steady job, but you want to see what else is out there and you're just playing the field, checking your options, then Sure. Wear a kilt to an interview, and it's gonna it's gonna make you memorable, <laughs> one way or another. Right. You're gonna be memorable wearing a kilt to a job interview. So, 
if they say, that was awesome, we love that kind of creativity, you're in, then you get to decide, do you want to go to a job like that where they are obviously accepting of you wearing a kilt versus being in a position, offense versus defense, being in a position of needing a job, needing a paycheck and doing it because you're in a defensive position versus doing it on your own terms. Mm -hmm. um, given you're not planning on changing jobs anytime soon, other one or two other things you might try would be uh, it will make a difference whether you are public facing or not. If you're if you're not dealing with the public on a regular basis, then you can point that out. Look, you know, people around here seem to be okay. Feel free to ask them if you want, but nobody else seems to be seems, seems to think this is going to affect their ability to get work done or affect my productivity. Uh, number two, you can maybe thin edge of the wedget a little bit um, by asking, hey, we're having a company party coming up. Could I wear my kilt for the company party? Or could I wear it for this special occasion? Can, you know, can I wear it on Tartan Day? St. Patrick's Day, Tartan Day. Yeah. Pick a few select yeah. dates throughout the year. And then, and then maybe you ramp it up to casual Fridays after that. You know, It may just be that they're not familiar yep. with the garment. They view it in the abstract. They have no exposure to it. And therefore, they're nervous. Just like we talk about with other people not knowing what to think of a kilt because they just weren't raised with them. Um, it may just be that simple, in which case that could work. But if it's a if they're paranoid about public image and you deal with the public, um, they may they may be intractable. On the other hand, if it's sales, a kilt can be a great conversation starter for sales. So, yep. Yeah. You know, good luck. Cool. You know, let, keep, let us know. Look for a job at a kilt friendly company. Are we hiring again? We will be at some point. Okay. <laughs> You just said that to I know thousands of people. <laughs> I said that to tens of people who are watching this. Tens, of, yeah, all tens of them. Yes. Okay. Should I do another one or Adam? Yeah, now one? let's do you. Okay. I'm gonna keep trying to go through. All right. <clears throat> all right. Um, here's a simple one. Um, Scott Sanders asked us, uh, "Why are the pockets on so many waistcoats and I'm gonna say suit jackets also uh, sewn closed?" Um, there's the pockets on vests and suit jackets are generally sewn closed because you're not supposed to really put stuff in the pockets. Ever. Um, it's a it's a better look and more streamlined look, and you don't want bulges in the top half of your outfit. Um, that being said, they are functional pockets. You can rip it, you know, carefully rip the use a seam ripper and pick at the stitches and pull the pocket open so that it is a functional pocket. Um, but it's more difficult to sew it closed if you don't want to put stuff in there or if you want it to stay high and tight, as it were. So I'd say it closed yeah. as the default, but you can open it. Yeah, I think it's basically, um, in my experience, it's been there's a basting stitch in there uh, to make sure that the pockets look nice on the rack and to make sure that the garment does not get uh, messed up in transport before you buy it. Uh, similar to how sometimes you'll find basting stitches in the pleats of a kilt, which are meant to keep it in place and nice before you take those basing stitches out and put the kilt on for the first time. Um, if you don't plan on using the pockets for anything and you just want the jacket to look very sleek, uh, like you alluded, then you can leave them in. If you plan on actually using the pockets on your jackets and vests, I do, um, then you just it's easy enough to take the threads out. They're there as a convenience. Um, they are, in fact, functional pockets. They just keep them tidy with those basing threads until you are ready to use them for whatever. I mean, I am constantly putting notepads or you know uh, handkerchief, handkerchiefs yep. or phones in my jacket pockets i mean <clears throat> pocket watch in my vest pocket all the time so yeah they are they're there to be used don't be afraid of the stitches and they'll pop out pretty easily yep agreed yeah. okay it's amazing how many people get thrown by that 
Yeah. Yeah, I, I was like, these aren't real pockets. I was like, no, they're just basing stitched shut. Yeah. Generally, and when you when you when you reach in, if you go on the like on the either extreme end of it, it's sewn across the middle, but you can kind of wiggle your finger in on one end or the other end and feel that it actually does yeah. go down to feel the bottom of the stitches. Mm-hmm. So, yep. yep. Mr. Adam. All right. Um, Chris Heffron says he's a bit of a larger guy. Uh, and around the community, he says, I hear a lot of you don't wear the kilt belt when wearing formal. Um, and so he asks, is there a major issue with the belt or is there an alternative? He likes to use the, uh, the hangers, uh, the okay. sporn hangers. Okay. I think. Oh, okay. Okay. So he doesn't want to <coughs> use without the belt. Okay. Yep. And so, uh, he doesn't like the way that he likes the hangers. Uh, he doesn't like the way the kilt belt, he says, sits on me. Uh, I'm not sure if that's the kilt belt or the sporn. The sporn chain. He may say, yeah. I mean the sporn chain. Yeah. Uh, and so he wondered if there are any other options. Sure. I have two options for you. One, the... Traditionally speaking, when you're wearing a vest or when you are wearing a dress sporn, you do not wear a kilt belt. The reason is because the if you're wearing a vest, the bottom of the vest covers up 99% of the buckle anyway. So there's no point to wearing a, a kilt belt, therefore you don't wear it. If you're wearing a dress sporn, the top of the dress sporn, the ball on the top of the dress sporn, sits about an inch below the bottom of the buckle. And when you sit down, it kind of, the dress sporn knocks into the buckle and you're either going to, you know, break off the ball or scratch the buckle, that kind of thing. So there are reasons, functional reasons why you don't wear a dress sporn with a kilt belt. A wear, that being said, if you only wear sporn hangers and that is your, 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 your hanger of choice, your way to wear a sporn of choice, then it's not the end of the world. It's not typically done, but you got to do what you got to do if you're a bigger dude. Um, option B, try this. Get, when you put, put on a sporn chain, you're wearing your kilt above the widest part of your belly. So if you have a, you know, a, a big belly in the front, look for the widest part on your sides where you have the love handles and wear the kilt just above that and where it's snug. Next, take your sporn chain, wrap it around you and hook the top of the sporn chain over the top of the buckle, the top of your waist buckle, the top buckle on the sides of your kilt. Hook it over there. That way, instead of the sporn chain kind of tilting down from the center of your back, down, down, down to lower in the front, you're actually hooking it above on the sides, making a sharper angle down, and therefore the sporn chain doesn't like underline the belly and dishevel the front of the kilt when you go to stand up. Yeah. It makes it behave more like the hangers do, essentially. So it becomes belt, 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 hanger, as opposed to a triangle going down from the hips. Yeah. Yeah. In- yeah. Instead of, if you think of yourself kind of, you know, as a as a egg shape or whatever, and slice a, a, a diagonal line through the egg, that would be how a sporn chain would normally be. Slice it halfway through and then a steeper angle to the front. That's how the, the sporn chain w- over top of the kilt buckles on the side when I say kilt buckles, I mean the little tiny buckles that are actually sewn to the kilt. Just hook it over top of there and let it come down in the front. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hope that helps. Yeah. Mr. Adam. So I have an interesting one here. Uh-oh. Um, uh, let me see here. I've misplaced it on my screen. There we go. Um, reviewy Mick Review Face. <laughs> it, this is the nice. internet. Well played. Um... He said he's seen vintage kilt pins with horsehair. That's not something I'd heard of, and, and there mm, evidently are. I think I, I think 
Okay, go ahead. I, I, I have seen some some horsehair pins. I thought maybe he was conflating the sporins with, uh, you know, pins. Horsehair kilt pin. Horsehair kilt pins. There are some horsehair pins I've seen. Yeah. It's, it's like okay. a... It's almost like the bell on a tassel sort of thing, and then some horsehair. Or it looks okay. like a like a like a fly fishing tackle, just a little bit bigger. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Very very much so. All right. Um, and so he says, I've seen some kilt pins with horsehair, but which way do you wear them? Hair up or hair down, or are they mislabeled hat pins? Uh, which I am seeing some things that That's they might possible. be hat pins. That's possible. Uh, he says, are they mislabeled hat pins that shouldn't be on a kilt? <clears throat> Harry McHairpin. Um, now it's I've. I've seen those as well. Um, people throughout time wearing the kilt, I mean, the last like 200 or so years, um, have worn different types of things for kilt pins, different shapes of things for kilt pins, from oval type badges worn halfway up the kilt to grouse foot to, you know, a sword shape that you typically see today. Um, and everything in between. And there are people that will wear their, their Star Trek pin or whatever as their, their way to nerd out on the front of their kilt, it's a kilt pin. All it is is just a little bit of bling for the front of your kilt, period. Or a lot of bling. Or a lot of bling. Um, so it's not a, it's not wrong. It's not right. It's personal style to a degree. I would say within the bounds of good taste. You don't want something that's you know ten inches tall and four inches wide on the front of your kilt, unless it's like ribbons or whatever. For yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's um, different. Yeah. But it's, you don't want something crazy, obtrusive, distracting on the front of the kilt. You just want a little something, shiny or otherwise, in the lower corner to kind of give it a little bit of interest. Mm -hmm. I would argue uh, for horsehair down, just intuitively, I feel like that's the way to do it. Um, but yeah, it's pretty freeform. Of, of all the parts of this that we talk about, kilpin is really the most freeform thing. Yeah. You can do just about whatever you want. So um, go for it. If you found one you think looks cool, has that cool retro vibe to it, and you like it, nothing wrong with it. It may, in fact, be a hat pin, but it wouldn't be the first time people reappropriated different things to use as a kilt pin. Yeah. So. And if you find yourself near a creek with a fishing rod, <laughs> that's your lure. There you go. Indeed. The lure of the kilt pin. Oh. That was actually pretty good. You're welcome. <laughs> All right, Eric, why don't you do one? Okay. Um, okay. Uh, Jim Pomeroy said, well, yeah, you can wear a gray, a gray Braemar jacket with brown herringbone waistcoat, can't you? Uh, are the buttons being different going to be a problem? Can you mix your browns and your grays for a, a look? I think I know what you're going for. But. Yes and no. You can. I don't mind mixing colors, so long as the fabric itself is the same. Okay. I don't know if I like mixing the buttons. I would. I would like to see like if they're if they're stag buttons, stag buttons on both, so it looks like you did it on purpose. Yeah. Versus just had this thing and had this thing and throw them together. Um, the gray Braemar, because he brought it up, um, is it's not a tweed fabric. It's, it's wool, it's a barathea, um, and it's more of like a thorn proof is what they call the type of fabric. Um, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't wear a tweed vest, like a, a real like herringbone, you know, looks tweedy for lack of a better term mm -hmm. with that one specifically. But if mm -hmm. I had a, if I had a charcoal tweed herringbone jacket 
and a brown vest, and I was wearing a, a weathered tartan with browns and grays in it. Yeah. That might be a cool look. Yeah. But the buttons to me should probably be the same. I, I agree. That's pretty much what I was gonna say. I was gonna say, um, I wouldn't rule out using the the gray Braymar uh, with a different color waistcoat uh, entirely. I think you'd have to be very cautious about what tweed you're using if you're using a tweed. Um, a complementary color of a Barathea cloth would probably work better. Um, <clears throat> it is definitely a retro kind of a look. Um, there have been different times in the 20th century where that's been popular to have different color waistcoats. I think they did a lot in the 50s. Um, and then I think they did in the 20s also. Uh, the Victorians certainly did that kind of thing. But making sure they're the buttons are consistent would make sense. It's de facto a more casual country estate sort of a look, so I would definitely lean towards the antler. Uh, antler buttons are pretty ubiquitous for Highland wear, so it's easy to do. But uh, I would make your choices very carefully. How about this? And make, I, a, make a tone with a tartan. I mean, like that was the thing you mentioned, yeah, which I think is yeah, the yeah, most yeah. important, is make sure that the colors all <clears throat> are represented somehow by the tartan. If, you know, to just or complementary at the very, very least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, how about this? <clears throat> and I don't know how Excuse I feel me. about it, but I'm going to say it anyway. I may hit the day after it comes out of my mouth. Right, right. Um, sweater vest with a tweed jacket and vest. I've done uh, it. Tweed jacket. I've done it. See, that to me is a little bit less. It, it, it's still, That's it looks very really... like 60s, 50s. Ooh, it's older than that. 70s? Okay. Well, it's, it yeah. looks retro much yeah. more than than a different color jacket and vest in the same mm -hmm. material. Mm -hmm. But it's less of a sin in my mind because a sweater vest can't be tweed. Therefore, mm -hmm. it's it could it could work. I don't know. I'm, I'm going to reserve judgment. I'll let the Photoshop something and see if it looks horrendous. I can, I can or show good. you pictures of uh, sweater vests with uh, with jackets and kilts. Okay. I have one or two examples, but other than myself, because <laughs> I do it. But um, yeah, I think sweater vests are very uh, forgivable. You know, they're okay. meant to be, they're meant to be casual and maybe add some color, maybe not, but yeah, it's just casual warmth layer. I can't do, I don't like doing me personally. I hate sweater vests on me. I don't yeah, like yeah. V-necks yeah. on anything. I don't know. It's not your thing. Personal vibe. I can't, I don't mind it on other people. I just, I can't do it for me now. Mm -hmm. Come. Yeah. Lovely. Queer Good question. Mod. Yeah, absolutely. Mr. Eric, was that you or was that Adam? That was me. All right, Adam, you're up. Um, Hunter the Hippie asks us, hey, guys. The hunted Hippie? Or, oh, sorry. He says, hey, guys, I love you. But love how you too, can man. one stay warm in the snow while kilting? Run. Never stop moving. Create a fire. Stand um, over the fire. <laughs> chestnuts roasted on an open fire. Um, <laughs> Coraline's not. She's not, she's not grooving on this answer. No. Um, no it, in a kilt, there's a few things to do. It's it's common sense type things. Um, the the most important warmth layers are your head and your torso. Wearing a you know an appropriate winter hat and wearing an appropriate jacket for the outdoors is by far the most appropriate thing. Next most appropriate, I would say, would be wearing a nice thick pair of kilt hose, not a thin pair, but a good pair of kilt hose, right. a pair of warm boots, um, and preferably if you have multiple kilts a 16-ounce 8-yard kilt just to give you a little bit more of that, that heat layer. That's a wind resistance, too, I think. Yeah. The heavier the kilt is, you get more wind resistance you have. Yeah, it's about keeping your core temperature good. Um, Got to work the core. Yeah, do that, too. Um, lots of whiskey. That's another way. Lots of whiskey. 
Um, no, it, you get used to it. It, it, it feels counterintuitive at first, but essentially, as long as you're taking care of your core temperature and your head, like Brocky said, um, nothing beats a good scarf, too. Keeping your neck insulated, you lose a lot of heat through your neck. Um, you will find it's not that bad. Yep. You have lots of guys who question this for a while, and then they try it, and they're okay. If you decide you're not okay going regimental in the wintertime, then a pair of cut-off long johns or Where some bike shorts yeah. will will do fine. You know, it's... Uh, Again, there's nothing that says you have to go regimental in a kilt. And if it's, you know, 20 degrees below and uh, you, you want to have a little extra protection. And there's one area fine. you don't want to get frostbite. Wear underwear. Yeah. So, but yeah, think about think about your core layers. And uh, I will always put a plug in for natural fibers over uh, modern high-tech stuff. You know, wool. Wool is the fabric of our people for a reason. Okay. <laughs> it, it will keep you warm even if it get, gets wet. It's hard wearing. It's fire resistant. It's awesome. So wool sweater layers, wool hat, wool kill hose, go for it. Right? I feel like like the wool lobby has paid us now or something. Uh, <laughs> it brings good things. No wait, what's the? No, there's the cotton. G E. Yeah, there's cotton. There's a cotton one too. The uh, fabric, the fabric of, of our, our lives. lives. Yes. Yeah. What's the wool one? Uh, things go better with wool. I don't know. Oh. Uh, we gotta come up with one for wool. That's my, can, that's my can, you wool, can you wool me yet? Marketing uh, campaign for wool. Yeah. Okay. Indeed. Okay. Alright. Yes. Stay warm. Put stuff on. Yeah. Layers. Done. Mr. Adam, next. Alright. Lewis Collingwood said, Again. Did I already get one? Yeah. What up, Louie? Right. <laughs> Lewis Collingwood, anyway. Uh is when trying to get children into our heritage, uh, he wants to get children into his heritage as much as him. Uh, what things can I do to get them interested without pushing them into wearing a kilt? It depends on the age you start them. Yeah. If you start them, literally, I have a, we'll just throw a picture of it. My son, age one day in a kilt in the hospital, in a little basket. So cute. Um, the, uh, if you get them into it, that early and they see it as a part of their life and as a part of their family and as just a thing that you do, a way to bond, you go to Celtic festivals, whatever. Yeah. Um, they see it as normal. It's when they see it as something weird and different or when they realize it's different than what the rest of their friends are doing, that's when you're going to have more problems getting them into it. Um, I kind of fear the day when Liam, when I go to pick Liam up at school or something and I'm wearing a kilt and he gets made fun of and seeing how he's going to navigate that. Mm -hmm. um, but the earlier you can get him into it, the better chance you have of having him kind of latch onto it. If you think about it, like, you know, a lot of the people that like Irish, traditional Irish music, what do they say? Like the Dropkick Murphys, Ken Casey would say, I grew up with this music in my house. This is what my parents listened to. This is what they played for us. This is why I know all these songs is because I grew up on it. This and the yeah. clash and yada, yada, yada. Yeah. So in imbibing, imbuing that, you know, like letting them soak that in from an early age will reap rewards later on in life where they just know it. It's just part of who they are. Um, how do you get them into that in a teenage year is a little bit more. Nah, it can be harder. That yeah. could be harder. But it's, uh, yeah, so don't try it when they're 15. Uh, don't, like, come home, you know, hey, everybody, I bought kilts for everybody, you know. Um, yeah, it's, you don't, like we say with other contexts, you don't want to just surprise people with this stuff. You don't want to force it on them all, all of a sudden. Um, you got to ramp them up for it. 
but if you have a level of normalcy in your home with it, then it's not going to be that bad. And you may go through peaks and valleys like you do with any child's behavior. Um, I got two. Uh, where basically there are some times when they're really into something and things are okay, and there are other times when they want to rebel, and then they're back again. Um, they process things in waves, and they process things at different times. So as long as it's fun and positive and not, you know... A punishment. A punishment you know, then uh, you'll probably be fine. But you got to take a long view. You may have some times where they just refuse to wear the thing. But you may also find that, uh, or maybe they rebel for a long time and then they come back, you know, when they're 20-something and they show up at the front door wearing a kilt coming home from college. And you're like, whoa, hey. Um, so it's, uh, it, it just keep it fun. The, keep it positive. The other thing is you can do, take them to Celtic festivals, right. no matter the age. Right. Take them to Celtic festivals where they're going to see other people in a kilt. Even if they don't want to do it, just show them that other people do it. When you are, mm -hmm. um, when they get <clears throat> late teens, um, especially for a guy, if he, you know, is really into the ladies, shall we say, then if he sees that girls like guys in kilts, that literally could be a trigger. Like I jokingly say, like I started wearing kilts in my early to mid twenties. And if I could have traveled back in time to 18-year-old Rocky and told him, dude, girls love kilts. That's a really easy icebreaker. Wear a kilt. Yeah. It would have made things in some ways harder. In some, th in some ways, I would have talked to a lot more people. Um, so there's, there's different angles at it depending on what is important to your child at what point in their life and what they're into. Mm -hmm. I'd say um, also where possible, include them in the... Uh ownership decision? process yeah. and decision making so they feel like they have some ownership uh in it so it doesn't have to be their family tartan for the first kilt they get let them pick out the tartan that they like mm -hmm. let them pick out a sporn if you're going to spend money on a sporn for a, a kid which you don't always want to do you know let them let them make a few decisions and feel involved in it you know and uh, that will help it stick also agreed yeah good luck yeah have fun with that yeah It'll work out fine. Yeah. You just got to take a long view. Yep. Yep. It's like I was, you know, I went through my rebellious thing and like, you know, for a long time was not, I love my parents, but I wasn't, you know, you know, always in sync with them. But then by the time it was, you know, late twenties, you know, you start calming down, you start getting back into the vibe. You want to learn more about the family history. That's kind of when it all kind of hits is late twenties. Um, at least it did for me Sometimes. and a lot of our, a lot of people I know. So mm -hmm. that's when you kind of, you come back home again. Mm -hmm. The wayward son. Sometimes it's when you have the kids that you start getting interested in it. That's true too. That's you know, true that, too. That you get this more sense of your mortality and you get this more sense of time and heritage and ancestry and all that stuff. And that's when you start thinking about those concepts and then yep. you get more into it. So. Yep, that's true too. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Mr. Adam. All right. Um, this one's pretty broad and we haven't touched on it a bit. Uh, your wife's son asks... Any comments on Utilikilts? My wife's what? son? It, it's YouTube. That's names. his name. Yeah, Got yeah. it. Your wife's okay. son. Not Liam. <laughs> I, I, it's like, it's, so, sorry. Not, well, he's home from school now. I was like, what What are you doing on? Got it. What are you doing watching YouTube? You should be doing homework. Um, Your wife's son. Oh, man. That really. So, what me. was the question now? Yeah, what the heck was the question? <laughs> You've ruined it, Adam. I, it's destroyed. Oh, flabbergasted. Any comments on Utilikilts? The other side of the spectrum. They're awesome. Sure. Yeah. Enjoy it. Yeah. They're Done. a thing. 
Yep. <laughs> um, um, America, uh, utila kilts yeah, we are. We talk about this a lot, actually. Yeah, they are a an American thing. They are not a Scottish thing. Um, they are not worn in Scotland except by American tourists for the most part. Um, it's something that is a, an American twist on something from the UK, invented in 1999. There's nothing wrong with them. There's something different. It's a different angle on it. Um, it is not 100% coming at it from the heritage angle. There's a lot of you know, niches and subgenres, subcultures that are into wearing util kilts. Yeah. Um, but there's nothing wrong with it. Yeah. Um, util kilts are, uh, for the kilting world, kind of becoming like a comfortable pair of jeans. Um, it's basically, there's nothing that's very American. There's no real significance attached to it other than it's comfortable and it looks cool. And uh, it's a go to. So, like, I will use a, my util kilts. I own four. Um, I won't wear them here because I'm trying to represent heritage but I'll use them for hiking I'll use them for mowing the lawn I'll use them for you know any rigorous activity outdoors stuff like that um, anytime I want to have really good cargo pockets um, it's uh, it's that kind of vibe you know it's it's a utilitarian adventure kind of a thing you can sometimes mix some heritage elements into a look with them uh, it's only ever going to be a very casual heritage look like I've seen guys use uh, if the, if the kilt does not have cargo pockets, I think a sporn can look kind of cool with it, and therefore you could have a clan accessory in your sporn. A kilt pin can be okay on a util kilt. A kilt belt can be okay with a util kilt. It varies from model to model of utility kilt. Um, I am, Along those lines, I'm not a fan of too often of the uh, util kilts that have the tartan panels inset in them. But that's only because I kind of dig the idea, but I haven't seen it done, I haven't seen it executed well in terms of quality. Um, they tend to look sloppy because of the fabric that those manufacturers are using. I think it's a cool idea. But um, it's like that. You think of it like as a pair of jeans. Um, I know tons of guys who wear them to metal shows or um, to like ritual weekends where you're camping out um, and you'll have some, some of your, you know, your heathen pagan bling on and you have the util kilt and it's kind of, it basically says, I'm an adventurous guy. Um, you know, I'm a, you know, in touch with nature kind of a vibe. Um, yeah, that's, those are, those are, just a few of my thoughts on them. I, I love them. Yeah, it's it's like different horses for different courses. Yeah. Um, you know, do you, you know, just because you drive a sports car doesn't mean that you can't appreciate trucks or can um, also or own can a truck. also own a truck. Yeah. Exactly. Um, it's 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 not coming for for the most part. It is not coming at it. People try to ascribe this to it, but it is not coming at it from a heritage angle. It's yeah. coming at it from a fun twist on it angle. Versus coming from a more traditional heritage type angle, so it's again, it's different horses for different courses. Yeah, I I, I don't agree with people who try to delegitimize, if that's a word, delegitimize, delegitimize. Thank you, uh, utility kilts because they're not a Scottish kilt. It's like comparing apples and oranges, and I don't think it's very fair. Yeah, it's um, a different thing. It's yeah. it's not a Scottish kilt, but it's not trying to be. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Just like we're not trying to say, hey, these are you know the wool $500 wool kilts are the best thing to change your oil in <laughs> you should buy six right um right. no it's not for that it's for fun and you can do different things in it but it's not what it was designed for in the same way that i wouldn't say wearing the utilicult workman model with the pockets and all the snaps and tools hanging off is great to get married in it's not formal <laughs> right. so it's right. i wouldn't wear that for this and i wouldn't wear this for that yeah uh on a more technical level i would just say if you don't already own one 
uh, vet the source you're buying the utility kilt from carefully. There are some pretty crappy knockoffs out there. Uh, I would try to stick with one of the American-based companies like the original utility kilt or Angry Bastards or Stumptown. Um, those so guys, this yeah, or... they, they produce a, a, a good quality garment. Um, and they're generally, I think all of them are made in America. So I, I think that's important. There's some that are made in Canada, I believe. Um, yeah, but they're not the mass-produced, yeah, yeah, they're custom factory. Kinda, yeah, uh, you know. Yeah, yeah. Basically, Agreed. there you go. Cheers. Yeah, Mr. Adam, whoever's mom's dad's kid guy, he is. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> all of the kids <laughs> and all of the parents. Mm -hmm. uh, Kendall Hill has a question. He says, "I wear my kilt jacket and vest." and find that even when wearing the kilt at its appropriate height, uh, there's sometimes a gap between the vest and the kilt, and it shows, in his opinion, unflatteringly, a, a band of white. The white, the shirt, how, Sean. How do you prevent that? Get a longer vest. Sounds like the vest is too short. And or wear your kilt higher. Um, if you have a if you have a long torso, you let... I have a problem. Here's, here's the scenarios. What he's talking about is having... The vest is too short. It doesn't come down, doesn't meet the top of the kilt, so he ends up with a white band around his belly. <clears throat> that means one of a few things. One, the kilt is worn too low. Two, the vest is worn too high or it's too short for his torso size. Um, so if you're wearing your kilt two inches or so above the belly button, which is the proper height for a kilt, and your vest is still not meeting the top of the kilt, then you may need a custom extra long vest or you may need to cheat it and get your kilt, a, like let's say it's a 24 inch length, you may need to get a 25 inch length with yeah. like a two and a half inch or three inch rise, rise. Yeah. and then it'll keep the kilt up a little bit higher on your body for when you do wear your vest. Yeah, I've had that problem myself. For me, it's usually the front of the vest is okay, but I will get the gaposis thing happening on the sides. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it, it can be a little tricky if you're not a standard you know, proportion person. Um, but yeah, it's basically, you may want to consider a longer vest. Uh, assess for sure if the kilt is riding where you want it to ride. Double check your measurements, especially if it's an older kilt, perhaps, and your body has changed one way or the other, larger or, or smaller. it's slipping down a little yeah, bit it's slipping down the in the course yeah. of a day. Um, I will go so far as to say, if you send a photograph or two to sales at USA Kilts, we can, you know, give you a bellwether. Put an yeah. eyeball on it. Yeah, we yeah. can put an eyeball on it for you. you know, and I'm betting we'll say, yeah, get get a longer vest i will say this as well if if you are wearing if you find that your kilt is actually slipping down a little bit and that's the problem and let's say you're wearing it with a prince charlie jacket and vest which is a slightly shorter vest yeah you can wear a pair of suspenders on your kilt and wear it underneath your vest no one will know the suspenders there if it's underneath your vest and that will help keep it up a little bit yeah yeah, I was thinking of that. I wasn't vocalizing it, but that was another. Yeah, some guys will do that to make sure things are completely locked down for a formal occasion. Uh, like bagpipers will do that kind of thing um, where they want to have no slippage whatsoever in the course of a long day. It can be That can be a good uh, hack, yeah. shall we say. All right, we'll do two more. One from Adam, one from Eric, and then we're going to do our question of the day. Oh, boy. All right. Um, Scott S.Y.T., uh, asks, please discuss the historical use of wearing kilts while hunting in Scotland or England. Is it fact or fiction? Yeah. Oh, sure. 
Yeah, they hunted. Um, How do you get your food if you don't hunt? <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, This is where you get into whether or not um, the kilt was a practical garment or an affectation. And at different times in history, it would be six one, half a dozen the other, or more of this or less of that, depending on who you're talking to. In other words, if you were born and bred in the Highlands in the age of the Great Kilt, it's what you wore. Just de facto. It's what you had to wear. That was your clothing. Done. If you get into the 19th century, then um, hunting in kilts became very de rigueur. Um, you had uh, ghillies who were native Scotsmen who were wearing kilts because A, it was traditional, uh, and B, it was uh, part of the uniform in a sense. It gave them that, uh, that certain um, gravitas uh, to the people who employed them. And those people who were employing them were uh, aristocrats or well-to-do um, uh, merchant class people who came up to Scotland for the hunting uh, and very often owned estates in Scotland, uh, which could get into a whole discussion on the clearances, which I'm not going to do. Can I interject um, for one half second? Define what ghillie is. Point? Okay, yes, a ghillie. Sorry, um, a ghillie is basically the, uh, the guy who shows you around. He's your, he's your native guide. Um, he helps you get through the hills, uh, find where the game is, and uh, brings along the equipment so that you can actually shoot the game and then get it back home. Um, they're basically the experts. They're the, uh, sometimes they were also the groundskeepers. They were uh, sometimes attached to an estate. Uh, sometimes they were freelance. They just you know, worked for whoever came up for the season. Um, so if you're used to it and you're comfortable in it and uh, it was your chosen garment, then... Yeah, kilts offer a good deal of freedom of movement uh, on a practical level, so plenty of people hunt in them even to this day. Um, you don't have to worry about brambles and going through the forest so much when you're hunting in Scotland. You're going up into the hills. You're going up into the into the, the rocky the rocky glens and such. Um, if you were a Victorian gentleman coming north to Scotland to do the thing, then it was more of an affectation. Um, it was more of the fashionable thing to do to show that you had that you know that rustic strength. You know, blah, blah, blah. yes, I, I, I'm down with the, the locals. Um, you know, I'm one of you. I'm one of you. Um, some of them were, honestly, but for some of them, it was just an affectation. But did they hunt in them? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, there's a book in my office somewhere on. It's like Life in Aberdeenshire or something like that, and it talks about the ghillies quite a bit. You know, and there's some great photographs of ghillies um, uh, from Balmoral and other you know, famous estates where they've got the gaiters and the tweed jackets and uh, and the hunting frocks and the kilts and all that stuff. So, yeah, they did it. Nice. I'm not sure if that answers the question precisely. I hope it does. But it's not a myth. It's, you know, people do did and do hunt in kilts. Yeah. So, Indeed. Yeah. We'll do one more from you. Sure. And to those whose questions we did not get to answer, keep in mind, we store them. That is what this list mm -hmm. is from, from previous shows. And we get to them in future shows as we kind of cycle through. Yeah, stuff. I'm, trying, I'm trying, trying to make a choice here. So. Um, this one's kind of for me, actually, but I'll, I'll dive into it for, you know, what the heck. Um, Christopher Ryan had asked us a I'll while back. Okay, now you night. With all that sugar in you, you can sleep. I can't. <laughs> Um, on an Irish Piper Saffron kilt, what do the shamrocks represent? And um, basically, Chris, I took a look at this a while back um, and looked up some photography because uh, I was wondering a little bit myself. And uh, the answer is they just represent Ireland. The uh, On a bagpiper's uniform, uh, especially the higher ranking the piper is, like if it's a pipe major, 
um, or a piper who has a specific ranking above just guys in the band. Um, they will have ribbons on the kilt, and I believe they use them as awards now also. Lucas could clarify that. Um, and uh, if it's a Scottish piper, you'll see a row of the ribbons going up the, the side of the apron. Uh, and in Ireland, in the military, they adopted using uh, shamrocks instead as a way to accentuate the fact that this was an Irish uniform. Just like the fact that they wear the brat, they wear the cloak uh, as part of the uniform. And nobody does that in Scotland. It's an Irish thing. Um, if you look closely at some of the better photography you'll find of these guys, uh, the center of those shamrocks very often will have an insignia, like a pewter, uh, pewter medal a pin in the center, which is usually uh, a designation of the band or of the unit they're, they're attached to or something else. Um, I have one really good photo I like, and uh, the guy's, uh, it's a review. He's being reviewed by a, a superior officer, and you can very clearly see there's like a harp on one, and there's uh, like a fusilier's kind of uh, looking badge thing okay. on the other, and I can't make out what the third one is, but it's very obviously, it's a, it's a, a mounting for other decorations and just a way of um, showing some flash, basically, and, and sometimes a elevated station as a piper. Nice. Yeah. So it's cool. It's really cool. It's a nice accent, nice touch, and a, little, a little something extra. But it's not like an ancient tradition or anything like that. It's a military affectation. So. Very good. All right. New segment. Question of the day. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, 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 dun. <clears throat> Insert trumpet sound here. Every episode, we're going to try to come up with a question um, that we want the answer to or we're just curious about. So here's the question of the day today. What is your favorite color palette for kilts? Color palette meaning ancient, modern, weathered, or muted. Tell us in the comments what your favorite color palette is. Am I allowed to answer? I don't care about your answer. I want their oh, answer. All right. Fine. Thank you for sticking with us. Enjoy your day, whatever time you're watching this. Um, enjoy your life. Exactly. Enjoy life. If you do Valentine's Day next week, enjoy that. Yes. Spend it with loved ones. Mm-hmm. It's probably who you should spend it with. Usually. Yeah. Usually. Yeah. Okay. Unless you want to mess with somebody. Exactly. All right. Well, we're done rambling. Sorry. <laughs> Till next time, boys and girls. Slide Slide Thanks for joining us, guys. Our podcast theme song is Gold and Guns by the Kilmaine Saints. If you have a question for us, you can ask it during our YouTube live stream the first Friday of every month at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. If you want to get social with other kilt enthusiasts, go check out the Kilts and Culture group over on Facebook. You can also find USA Kilts on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, or over at our website, usakilts.com. Thanks again for joining us, and until next time, Slanjava. Slanjava.